Welcome to episode 26 of Design Curious Podcast. I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. And today we have Lindsay Chelberg again. We had her back in episode 24 for part one. And then this is part two. She just had so much information. We decided to break it out into two episodes, but I know you're going to love it. And like I said, she is owner of LHK Interiors, and you can find all of her information in the show notes. And don't forget that we have My Design Mentor. If you're looking for more one-on-one work with myself, you can join this group of people just like you. We come together and talk about what the career is like, questions, how to get started. Everyone kind of starts out in a different spot in life. So it's great for me to be able to personalize the information that you're getting and have a coaching call with me every month. And uh, I can review your portfolio and we have a book club in there. So it's just a lot of fun. So you want to get in there and you can find out more info about that on our website, ourwarddesign.com. So let's get into what Lindsay has for us today. You're going to love it. You're now listening to Design Curious, a place where you, creative one, are here to learn about what it really is like to be an interior designer. And I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. If you're worried about how to succeed in a creative career, if you're ready to learn your next steps to become an interior designer, and if you want the satisfaction of doing something you love every day, you are in the right place. Grab a coffee, a notebook, and let's dig into today's episode. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome back to Design Curious. Thank you. Great to be back. Nice. Yeah. Can you tell any designer who might be thinking about changing a career into design? Maybe they already have kids and they're trying to find the time to do it. And besides having a good system in place or even a mindset that they need to have Mm -hmm. approaching this um, as a parent. Because I think interior design is often a second career choice. It's not always your first career choice. (laughs) And some of those parents that are trying to transfer careers and have kids and then think about maybe starting their own business, um, there's just a lot to think about with kids and balancing all that thing. So, yeah. I would honestly say, and whether they already have kids or not, I think the most beneficial thing for me was building my connections with different trades in the area. Mm. And that's been one way. So maybe if someone has a second career that they're kind of doing a side hustle for a little bit, if they just start helping one of the contractors in town, or, you know, if they have a real estate agent or someone that they, they know or can build into their network and Mm. maybe it is part-time and then they're, they're, questioning whether to make the full-time, you know, whether to quit the other job. I think just building your network and is beneficial, like I said, regardless if you have kids or not. And what I find is sometimes my network comes from the kids, their activities. So, you know, whether it's a school event or a sporting event or whatever it is, Um, But yeah, I just, I definitely recommend building your network and that's what's going to get you leads starting off if you're not a full-time designer and if you don't already have clientele that know your name and refer Mm -hmm. you to friends. I think marketing is important, but I think 
for me, networking has been so much more beneficial Mm -hmm. than I think marketing for me is almost just keeping my name out there or reminding them that I'm a designer or Mm -hmm. showing them an updated project that kind of pushes them. They go, oh yeah, I've been meaning to call Lindsay for five years and and they see the marketing and then they call me, but usually it's the word of mouth. It's the networking it working with different contractors or different cabinet makers that now they have a project come up. A lot of times it's us designers that are saying, okay, you know, you should call so-and-so and have them do this or that for you, or we're bringing them as our A-team. But mm-hmm. a lot of times I get so many clients that say, or I'm sorry, contractors that will say, call Lindsay, you know, you're kind of all over the place, get your design. She'll help you get the design together. And then it's an easy handoff to them. And that would be helpful too. If they do have a second job, kind of getting into the design and not necessarily the project management yet, because that is what takes up so much of our time. Right. Right. And that's where honestly, a lot of the expertise and experience comes into place too with mm-hmm. the project management because it's knowing what to look for on site and how to communicate with the trades and things like that. And that that would be good to start practicing and build that up over time. Mm-hmm. But the design is is a lot more um, intuitive and you know talent driven, <laughs> right? And a lot of times when I am sourcing. So if I go to one of the tile houses and I'm sourcing, a lot of times they'll pass out my cards. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're, you know, if you're trying to get your name out there, if you go to a paint store and leave some business cards, Mm -hmm. if you go to a tile house and leave some business cards, a lot of times now I, I know the different employees I won't go to every single paint store in town. I won't go to every single tile house because then you're not really getting to know the ones that you can build into your network. And if there are 50 flooring stores, I'm going to go to two or three of them because then they know me. Right. And then it's the relationships that are really important part of executing, I think, the projects that you have. and. And like you said, you can't have a relationship with all 50 tile stores mm-hmm. in your area. You need like your go-to people. Yep. So that, yeah. So continue to develop. And then you have that two-way, like you're referring your clients to them and then they start referring people back to you. That's great. Right. Was there anything you wish you had known when you started out in your career, like maybe when you're interning or when you're thinking about starting your own business, but... Anything you wish you had known then that you know now? Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was about, oh, I'd say 12 to 15 years late in the operations manual game. Mm. And the design firm that I interned for, the design mm-hmm. firm I worked at, neither had an operations manual. Everything was in the, I mean, the whole process was in the principal designer and owner of the firm's mind. Yeah. Yeah. It was not down on paper. Uh, You asked so many questions and still didn't feel like you would learn the process. You know, she was busy. She needed us helping. 
We didn't always know how to help. We were trying to help. And then I realized that when I started hiring employees that I didn't know how to have them help because everything was in my head and it wasn't, you know, it was still a process yeah. and I was still trying to figure out what my systems were. And I just wish 12 to 15 years earlier, I'd say 12, I'll give myself a little credit, but I think <laughs> 12 years earlier, I wish I would have wrote an operations manual for myself. Yeah. Nobody tells you to do that when you're a solopreneur that, that you should write down your operations. Um, at least I, I'd never heard that either when I was on my own. And it was like, after I started hiring people as well, and it's like, Oh, I need to, I need to just be able to hand them a task and that they can go and implement it without me telling them step by step by step right. every time. Right. Yeah. That was sort of mind blowing for me. It was like, <laughs> why didn't I think of this sooner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should be obvious. But... Yeah. And, and actually right now I have a college intern. So she's at one of the universities going to school for design and project management. And so we checked in with the school counselor. The professor said, do you have any recommendations for what our school could be doing differently. And one thing I said was teach these students how to run a business. I mean, how mm -hmm. to go to potential clients home, how to run a consultation, how to read the contract, your contract, how to mm -hmm. build a proposal, submit a proposal. If they approve it, how to turn it into an invoice and start placing POs and, and, you know, just teach them how to run a business, because if they are working for a business, they're going to be better employees. And yeah. if they decide to own, you know, start a business, then at least they have a little jump start. And yeah, I think on one of the other podcasts that you and I did together, I joked about, um, I didn't know what a PL was, a profit and loss statement. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, PL, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for CPAs, right? <laughs> we don't need to know what that is. <laughs> and then later I thought I would have been a better employee having known in any of the just basic bookkeeping that I could yeah. have helped the other design firm with as we were building proposals or, you know, whatever we were doing, if I knew more about business, I could have helped as an employee. And then when I mm -hmm. started my business, it would not have been such a long track to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I also felt when I started my business, I based a lot on what my previous employers had done mm -hmm. and not necessarily that they'd spelled it out for me. It's just from observation. And so I felt like I was not very far along because I was kind of guessing at how to run a business. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> like, I think this is what they were doing. And mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, didn't start the strongest, but, and I agree. I think that should be taught in the schools because regardless if they're working for someone or for themselves, they need to know this information. Right. I know one time I said to um, the employee that's been with me the longest, and, and I mean, she is amazing. She's kind of our Swiss army knife of the office. <laughs> she does so many different things. And one time I mentioned overhead because I said, you know, we have to make X amount of money 
every single day. And if we didn't make that, then we're under, we're like in the red this week. And so we have to make up for it. And she said to me, she said, overhead, what is that? And I remember thinking, you know, I've done a poor job of training Uh you because she's overhead and the computer she's using and that I'm using and the office Mm -hmm. and, you know, all these things, but she would see big checks come in and it doesn't matter if a big check's coming in, if that entire check is going out in overhead. Uh, That was actually the, the best conversation I had. So if someone out there is at a point, you know, maybe they're not a new designer, but they're at a point where they're wondering to hire their first employee into their design business. Mm -hmm. For me, having the conversation with my employee, when you become an asset where you are making money for the company, then your pay will continue to increase with your profitability toward LHK. And up until that point, she had been a liability. She had been costing us money because I wasn't tracking her billables. She was kind of Mm. more doing office tasks and helping me with my Mm -hmm. clients, but she wasn't taking on her own billable tasks. And okay. That was big. She wasn't paying for herself. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So yeah, when she said, what's overhead? I'm like, you. (laughs) (laughs) And many other things, but. (laughs) Yeah. And just, you know, all small firms are that way. You need your employees to kind of be thinking like like the owner, you know, they need to understand our costs and overhead and that they need to do marketing and focus on all these things. So, yeah. There's a lot, I think that could be revamped about the design program out there. Right. Hopefully they're all listening to podcasts and getting our I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> well, it might have taken me a little while to figure it out, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking a lot about your A-team and trades and it's definitely a valuable part of building your business is getting your A team and people who have the knowledge that can help you with what you don't know. And do you have a method for vetting your A team? Like how do you build that initially or what did you do? Yeah. So what I used to do is go into, you know, if I was on the hunt for a good painter, I would actually go to the paint stores, like one of the tile houses in our area. If they are going to recommend someone they're they're supposed to hand out three cards and say, okay, me, I'm looking for a new painter. Who do you recommend? And a lot of times I would call them, they'd have either projects I could go see or, or clients that I could go meet so that I could see their work. And a lot of times too, I would test them out on my parents' house or my in-laws' house or Mm -hmm. my house or, you know, it's like, okay, if it's a painter, he can do the laundry room. He can always repaint the laundry room. Right. (laughs) So, so it it was, you know, a couple of things, making sure one, their quality was good. And one, would I let them into my house when I'm about to send them into a client's home? Yeah. And then first time, one of a you know a new trade is going to go into a client's home. I am a lot more. I'm there more often. Mm-hmm. I'm 
checking up on everything more often. It's, it's a little bit of work, but meeting with that trade before they start that first project and just kind of laying out what my company's policy is and, and that I hope to build the relationship. And I, I tell them, I want you to be on my A team. I, I want you to have that repeat work and just really, you know, as I've built that A team, they know painters that they're, I keep saying the painter, but if it's a, a different subcontractor, they work with a lot of the other subcontractors oh, in yeah. the area. Mm-hmm. So the cabinet guy might say, you know, I would highly not recommend working with this counterfabricator, but this guy is great. He's respectable. He's, he cleans up the job site every day. And so then from my A team, finding other A team members. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing too, that has happened that I didn't realize how much work I would start getting from those subcontractors or those contractors that I work with. Mm -hmm. And so they work hard to be on your A team, which is great because you respect them. They respect you. And then I'll get a call from a new client that says, Hey, so-and-so gave me your number and said, contact Lindsay first, start coming up with the design and and then he'll come in, you know, then the the contractor or, yeah, So that's, that's been wonderful. And that's kind of been a extra bonus, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cause oftentimes the clients don't know that they actually need a designer to figure out all the details first. So they're getting in touch with the contractors and they're like, whoa, 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 (laughs) you have to have a plan. Call the designer. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's always great when that happens. It's nice. I really do prefer most of my marketing to just kind of reaffirm word of mouth. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that most of my business does come from that referral, you know, network, whether it's friends or family or other people in the trade or vendors, you Mm -hmm. know, different showrooms people could go into and then hear my name. And then having that online marketing or paper marketing or, you know, whatever form of marketing that people do, I just always feel that kind of reaffirms, oh, okay, this is, this is LHK Interiors. This is, you know, who the tile setter was telling me about or the contractor. And then they see that and it sort of reminds them, oh, okay, you know, maybe it's a social media post and they go, oh yeah, I'm supposed to call Lindsay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How often does it happen anymore? Do you ever call your reps and ask them about product knowledge that you might not know that you want to use? Yeah. So um, one thing that, that I always like to go to the different trade shows and, mm-hmm. you know, look around and feel the new furniture that's out, the different new fabrics. But I also go to a group where we have once a month, we have different trades come in, or I'm sorry, different reps come in and talk about all their new products. And so for me, that's a time to get together with other designers and they will line up like five different reps to come in and talk about their products. So we might see a handful of reps once a year. And, you know, if it's a window treatment rep, she's, you know, last month she was telling us about different motorization that is coming Mm -hmm. on to her product. And Mm -hmm. it's a time to really just 
dive into the new products and touch and feel and see the different fabrics and and ask questions. I mean, I think we're learning new, you know, we we can't learn everything that's out there and then something new comes out. So Yeah, I remember uh, when I was starting out or I was working for another designer and he'd had me uh, meet with maybe the fabric rep or something like that. And I'd be in the meeting and then I'd be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask her. Like, these all look great, but I'm, am I supposed to ask questions about this or, you know, I just didn't know what to do with, with having a rep there. Like, I felt like I should be asking questions, but I didn't have any idea what to do with them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one reason I go to this rep day with a few other designers, because sometimes if I'm not thinking to ask a question that they ask, I go, oh yeah, that, right. that was a good question. I'm glad you asked that. And uh, yes, that happens a lot. Yeah. And I would say too, if, if designers are going to local showrooms and just trying to look around, touch and feel if it's tile, ask, you know, what, what are some of the different numbers on, you know, if it says a variation mm-hmm. and they go, okay, you know, this, I see that it says variation. I see it says one, two, three, or four. What, what does that mean? And asking, you know, asking someone there at the showroom, if it's a porcelain, if it's a through body, what kind of edge termination, you know, just all those things that when I first got into the industry, I went, oh, okay, you know, this is a floor plan and this is where we're supposed to say what tile we're picking. And this is a pretty color. And, you know, then I'd start to learn, okay, can it even be used on a floor? Right. Can it be used in residential or commercial? What size, you know, I get asked by the tile setters all the time, what size grout do you want? And now I realize that part of that is already specified in the warranty information. like. Okay, right. this tile is not warranted if you go too small. Well, right. you know, if the tile setter says, hey, what size do you want? Oh, anything, anything in the world. <laughs> 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 and then you go, wait, no, nope, not how it works. No. Yeah. So, yeah. That's also good. Check the written specs on the product as well. It's a lot of information mm-hmm. there. It's, it can be dry, but it's really useful. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I know... I've kind of mentioned a lot of things as far as residential design, um, but I have also done commercial and even hospitality design. And that is a huge learning curve Mm -hmm. for all of a sudden the fire rating or the slip resistancy or just any product that you get into that you can put in residential doesn't mean you can put it in commercial or definitely not even in hospitality. And so, and then hospitality changes when you get into, um, we did a small wing of a children's hospital mm. yeah, and wow, did I have to learn a lot? It mm-hmm. was, it's great. It's, you know, <laughs> so much fun to, to get the new knowledge, but sometimes it's like, oh, when am I going to just know it all? And we won't. <laughs> no, not, not in this, not in this industry. <laughs> Too yep. much to know. Yep. There is, but I think great to have showrooms, vendors, reps, trades. I used to think I needed to know everything. And now I just say, you know what? I will definitely get that answer from you from the specialty person that knows that answer. But right. I don't know everything. And I, it took me a while to realize I 
didn't have to know everything. (laughs) I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Not possible. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad designer. The best part is that you know where to go to look for the answers. (laughs) That's the valuable part. Yeah. Well, great. Anything else that you thought of that you wanted to share? Not that I can think of right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, you can always come back on again (laughs) sometime. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just love talking with you. And uh, thanks again for sharing all of your expertise. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. Okay. Take care. Bye. So wasn't that another great conversation with Lindsay? I love having her in my circle of colleagues. She is a part of a group that I also run here locally of designers that we get together and talk about business practices. And uh, she comes to those meetings a lot. And it's just really great support, really great insight. I always perk up when she has something to say. So we may have her back again when she has more (laughs) expertise to share with us. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave me a rating and review. I'd love to hear from you to make sure that you are also loving the episodes. I enjoy going back and listening to them myself. And I think I would do this podcast even if no one was listening. But I love knowing that I'm helping people out and um, talking about subjects that they really enjoy. So let me know. You can also slide into my DMs on Instagram at rwarddesign and let me know what your favorite podcast episodes are so I can create more of those for you. You can go to my website and download the three things that I wish I had known when I had started my career and that will put you on the mailing list so you won't miss an episode. It'll come straight to your inbox. That's it for me this week. Stick around next week. I will have another great episode for you on the value of being coached. Lindsay and I have both received coaching as well as, I guess, coaching each other. And um, there's just no better way to bolster your business, to bolster your career than to be coached by someone else or even just life coaching in and of itself. So you're going to want to stick around for next week's episode. It's going to be really good. Until then, stay creative. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and a review. This helps me reach other curious creatives like you. If you have a topic request or would like to contact me, simply head over to my website, rwarddesign.com or email me at podcast at rwarddesign.com.